Are you ready? Amen. Are you sure now? Because today's a roughie now. You know, you know how nice I usually am. Those of you that are new, hang in there. Listen, grab a hold of that seat. Because all that you're going to hear is Bible, Bible, Bible. And understand that if you are offended, it's either my tone or the Bible. So if it's my tone, then make sure that you're implementing the Bible. As I've been saying over the last couple of months, the people will say, well, it was the tone that bothered me, not the message, but the tone. Then why don't you implement the message? If it's only the tone that bothers you, then why don't you implement the Bible? It's because it's actually the Bible that bothers the Christian. And since the word of God is Jesus, it's actually Jesus that bothers the Christian. Just like it was Jesus that bothered the Pharisee and the Sadducee who could not even see the culmination of the Torah they had memorized because they were so religious. You're welcome. You know, I did feel compelled this morning to give you sort of a political update because it's not political. People just think it's political, but it's not because it's actually the book of Revelation, chapter 13, 16 through 18, 14, 9 through 14, 9 through 11 or 15, 11, 9 through 15 or 16. And that is, I wanted to just tell you, because you see, the church is supposed to stand up. The church is supposed to be outspoken. The church is supposed to have a yes and a no. That doesn't waver at all. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Whatever is more than these is from the evil one. So your yes should be yes. If it's not yes and it's not no, it's evil. There is no tweener. That's a word that we have created. There's no tweener. What's happening right now is actually a culmination of two things under the same entity. And hopefully you're paying attention because once again, it's the book of Revelation 13 and 14 unfolding right before your very eyes. And by the way, there shouldn't be ominous music playing whenever you hear about the, the book of Revelation. Number one, because your redemption draweth nigh. There shouldn't be ominous music. Oh, oh. You're going to be victorious until the moment of the rapture. You'll be victorious. You'll be, pro you'll be prosperous. And all we have to do is stand. And for those of you who have kids and grandkids, your kids will have kids. If you stand. If you don't, they won't. And they can't stand. You're the adult. You have to stand. Well, what's happening? Almost simultaneously... You have the United Nations and the World Health Organization issuing global passports. Right now, not tomorrow, now. Right now it's come out. The UN is issuing a financial global passport, all for diversity, equity, inclusion, and environmental social governance. It's all for your well-being and for your convenience. Most people will go to hell for convenience. 
How, how inconvenient is it to carry a dead gum wallet? Oh, I want to get in here. Oh, let me just pull a card out. Bleep. But instead, it's got to be a QR code on your phone and a QR code that eventually transform, trans, transfers onto your forehead or on your right hand. You know, nobody else in the world talks about this time. I know. That's why in the Bible you see the word remnant. Most people, the love of most, will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. That's just Jesus talking. Well, that offends me. Then Christian, Jesus just offended you. How can you be Christian and have Jesus offending you? So they're issuing their passport. Now the World Health Organization is under one umbrella. The United Nations. They're issuing their global health passport. Now, I think we can all see that this will turn into what? One global passport. Have your passport on there, your health information, your insurance information, your driver's license all your identity, your health information, and you will not be able to buy, sell, trade, or travel without it. We in the church ought to see this. But I can almost guarantee you, with a notable very few, very few, very few exceptions, that we are the only church talking about this this morning. And this isn't what my message is about. This is just a warm-up. This is for free. Well, you can drop an extra couple bucks in the offering if you want for an extra sermon. But this is for free, and you need to recognize it and not comply. That's what gets the church in trouble. That's what gets the church in trouble. Golf clapping. Tacit agreement. No! I'm not gonna now, I'm not gonna enable Tetros Gabriasis to shut off my bank account because I don't have his five, fifty-five, seventy-five, hundred and seventy-five vaccinations. Well that you you don't comply. I've told you this. If you watch the podcast, you hear me say it all the time. It's right out of the book of Revelation. The globalist goal is to leverage you into a one world commerce system with a singular access point controlled by tyranny. They don't like how you vote. They don't like what church you go to because they'll lock down every building in order to get in. You'll have to have a QR code. Whoop, bleep. And then they know what church you attended. Well, you know what? There goes 50% of your bank account. It's all digital currency. Which gets, which gets unleashed this month. I keep forgetting what month it is. They go by so fast. But this month, CBDC gets unleashed in America. But don't worry, it's only for in-bank transactions. Just like they told you, if you, keep your, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Remember that? Remember how well that worked? They told you they never mandated a vaccination either until they mandated a vaccination for all federal employees, all federal contractors, and all companies with more than 100 employees. Remember that? They lost somewhat in court. They lost the private end of it, but not the federal end of it. That's why the entire military is vaccinated with an illegal vaccination. I'm trying not to 
go down too many wormholes this morning. But I just want you to know, that is what's happening. And you're going to need to firmly stand against it. Now. Yes, your family is going to be offended. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Does that offend you? No, no, come on now. Nobody's, you're not, we're talking about Jesus. Jesus has no enemies. Jesus, they put him on a cross. How does he have no enemies? When you die being speared to death, after you have basically railroad ties put through your hands and feet, how do you say that he has no enemies? Jesus has no enemies. That's just, that's just religion. It's basically agnostic religion. You're welcome. So you're going to have to stand. It's coming. But by the way, just because, listen, it's always been coming. It's just up to that particular Christian generation of will it land on you? I don't want it landing on me. I will say this is the weakest of all Christian generations. But will, it will transform into the strongest of Christian generations. Because there will be a revival, and it's not going to be a revival of the COVID-caving Christians. Oh, you know, how many, how many masks do you want me to put on? One's not good. I'll do two. I'll do, I'll do three. How long do you want me to lock down? Just 15 days to fly. I'll do 20 days. And remember, I'll do 20 months. I'll do 24 months. We're all the way up to 38 months right now, 15 days to flatten the curve. And they're remasking right now. This, you know how the, the World Health Authorization, you know how they're justifying their global pa health passport? Number, th number three, Omicron is out. Fifth variant's out. Nobody's dying of COVID-19 except for the vaccinated. Nobody, just so you know. Nobody. You can check anywhere you want. You want, Tom, I challenge that statistic. Well, you challenge me. Go right ahead because I've got all the data from their own health organizations. They're the only ones dying of it. So for Omicron 3, they want you to have a global passport for a runny nose. It's what they always do. Everyone's afraid. They're going to launch a nuclear war. Don't worry if I'm wrong about the nuclear war. You won't have to worry about it. You won't have to worry about an apology. I'll see you in heaven. I'll apologize to you then. The next thing that they unleash is going to be worse. Than, it's never going to be worse. It's always going to be pretend. They're not going to unleash something that's going to kill them. They're not going to have a nuclear war that's going to kill them. The bourgeois leftists, elitists, they want to live. That's what their whole goal in life is to live forever, to download their essence into a computer and live forever. Transhumanism, that's what they want. Who opposes and exalts himself all above all that is called God or that is worshiped. So he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Second Thessalonians chapter three, right? Second Thessalonians chapter two, starting in verse three, right? That's what they want to do. They want to live forever because they consider themselves to be God. See the essence of it. It's called the Antichrist. It's called the prince of the power of the air. And you're going to have to stand against it. 
but my mom really likes it. Doesn't matter what mom wants. It ain't going to be your mom in heaven anyway. Before God formed you in the womb, you and him were having conversations. Well, I don't remember that. It doesn't matter what you remember. Before he formed you in the womb, he knew you. Jeremiah 1.5, he predestined you before you ever came out of your mom's body. Period. He knew you. You ain't moms. You ain't dads. You ain't your spouses. Nobody's. You belong to God. You'll either spend eternity with God or you'll spend eternity absent from God. You decide. You're going to have to stand. Most Christians are going to have a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And we can get into disputes. People like to debate the book of Revelation. I'm not debating you on the book of Revelation. I stand where I stand on it through thorough study. You stand where you stand on it through thorough study. If we disagree, we disagree. doesn't matter because if we disagree, that's actually the culmination of Scripture. Disagreeing on the book of Revelation is actually the culmination of Scripture found in Matthew 24, 36. No one knows about that day or hour. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So nobody can unfold. All I know is that I smell it in the air, and you and I have a job to do. We have a responsibility to occupy until he comes. As long as you and I are here, the Antichrist cannot reign. If you book, I didn't mean to preach about this this long, but as usual, it's like with the podcast. I'm supposed to be through 44 slides every show. I'll get through 14. <laughs> but you, we can sit here and you, we can dispute about when, you know, when the, the Antichrist reign is, beast one, beast two, all those different things. It's this sort of amalgam in Revelation 13 and 14. My opinion is that we see these things start to come out. And then he is revealed. These things that start to come out, the beginnings of sorrows, include these global passports, and you can't buy, sell, trade, or travel, which will turn into, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. Right? In the midst of that amalgam of emerging globalism, Merging, leveraging you into a one world commerce system, Jesus comes back. Right there. But you and I, as we see it happening right before our eyes, need to identify it, talk to it, and tell that demon to go. Demons cannot stand in your midst. Here we go, I'll launch right into the message. We're talking about strongholds today. I've preached many times about strongholds. God, I believe God compelled me to preach about him again. So I'm preaching about him again. I, at first, I thought about preaching, and I'm like, well, I don't know if that's what God wants or not. But then God turns on a faucet. That's what happens with me. I'm out in the woods where I walk. It's not really, well, sometimes it is the actual woods, but where I live is the woods. I'm out there walking, and I'm always praying out loud, unashamed, praying. A lot of tongue talking, speaking tongues every day in my life. I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. That's what Paul said. And I, I, said, I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to preach about strongholds. And I'm like, I don't know if that's really what God wants because it's not really in the vein of what I've been doing right now. And then all of a sudden, here comes, here comes the flood. And I have to start making voice recordings. That's what I do. I don't go to sermons.com. 
hmm, what should I preach this week? Well, let me see what everybody else is preaching. Oh, Tour Story 4. <laughs> no. I'm sure Summer at the Movies is out now, part five. I don't do those things. I don't preach what's trendy. I preach what the Holy Ghost tells me to. And but just so you know, I don't even preach because this is my shtick. He's mean, that's his shtick. I don't preach. Listen, overall, I'm very nice in my own eyes. I don't know if maybe it's, maybe it's not true. You have to ask my wife. But overall, I'm nice. I just, pre listen, Jesus by today's standards is not nice. By today, niceness today is enabling. We're not gonna talk about that. Just keep them in the church, don't say anything about sin. Don't mention anything about hell. Of course, nobody's getting saved, but at least they'll be in the church. So in other words, Catholic. See, I say whatever I want. See, it's just like if you're white, you can make fun of white people. If you're black, you can make fun of black people. If you're, if you're Latino, you can make fun of Latino people. If you were raised Catholic like I was, no holds barred. I say whatever I want. Of course, I would anyway, because I, I, I would throw any denomination in there. Won't hold me back. So we're talking about strongholds. Of course, you know where we're going to launch. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 through 6, but we're going to start with 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war. Uh, Tom, this is Christianity. Uh, we don't, man, oh man, did you just cough up a devil? Wow. Whoa! I hope that was a man. Whoa! I told, <laughs> I told my wife if I would have heard her sneeze while we were dating, I wouldn't have married her. <laughs> my wife, unfettered, sneezes like this. Ah, two, ah, two. I'm like, Beelzebub. She sneezes the same way she dry heaves. Ah! It's like that. Like, well, did you hide that the entire time we were dating? Not if I never heard that before. It like, startled me. <laughs> For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war. Christianity, to some extent, is a war. That's, you, don't, you don't comply with your enemy. Mask, vax, buy an electric car. You don't comply with your enemy. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. I see, we're peaceful people. Unless you come to my house with a brown shirt on, with your vaccines in hand, coming to grab my guns, I'm peaceful. You come to my house to grab my guns with your vaccines in hand, with your uh, global core. <laughs> the line has to be drawn somewhere. But overall, our battle is spiritual. 
We don't war after the flesh. We're not, we're not hurting. I never hurt a soul, ever. Unless you come after me physically, I'll do nothing to you. You say whatever you want. You call me whatever name you want. I'll not do a thing to you physically. Not a thing. Is it tempting? Is it a struggle? My son likes to bring up my never-ending failures. She goes like, Dad, let me, let's talk about how many times you've nearly gotten a fight in the last two years. I was lecturing him about something, and he was like, let's just name So he went through a litany of how many times I've nearly gotten in a fight over the last two years. Kids are a lot funner when they're seven. They don't know anything. But we're not here to war after the flesh. No interest. There's no point in it anyway. What do you, you win what? You win some sort of temporal reward, but you don't win anything eternal. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after people. We do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What is a stronghold? Nobody knows. Nobody, I'm gonna tell you what it is, but nobody knows. They just, they just quote these verses and then never pull down their strongholds. Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What is a stronghold? A repetitive, worthless, valueless, harmful action. Any combination therein. A stronghold is a repetitive, a lifestyle, worthless, valueless, or harmful action. That's what a stronghold is. You can say, you can put attitude in front of that also, mindset in front of that, or at the end of that. So a valueless, harmful, repetitive mindset or attitude. Any attitude problems in here? Shout amen. amen. All right, there you go. Some people, your spouse is amening for you. That's all I said. Were there any attitude problems in here? So your spouse, oh, there's one in here, all right. <laughs> now let me set you all at ease. You want me to set you at ease? Look up at me now. You want me to set, I'm going to set your heart at ease. I have strongholds. So there you go. Does that make you feel better? Tom's, Tom is so mean. I just told, I, listen, I couldn't be more transparent than that. I have strongholds in my life now at 54. There are strongholds that will lead you to hell if it's sin. I'm not even going to get into the sin, but I'm going to make sure that you know. There's sins that are strongholds and there's sins that are not strongholds. An overall lifestyle of sin is a stronghold. Addiction is a stronghold. Lust is a stronghold. They'll send you to hell. I may mix that in, I may not. But regardless, they all fall under that definition. A worthless, valueless, harmful lifestyle, action, or mindset. Any in your life? I'll give you, I, I, I decided to disperse my list throughout the message. I have a list. Offense is a stronghold. But I'm right. Yet you can be right and not offended. If you live in a fence, you're living in a stronghold. And for many people, that's their golden parachute. That's the way for you to quit everything when it gets hard. I'm offended. You know, I'm, not, I'm not going back there. I'm offended. 
It only pretty much happens in the church because you would never do it on your job. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, right? Matthew 6, 19 through 20. Then why is your treasure your job and not your church? Explain that to me. You would never be offended and leave your job. You're offended there every day. But in church, you get offended and you bail. It's why you never, ever have a ministry. You ever ask yourself, why am I not raising the dead? I do. I know why I'm not raising the dead. Do you? Strongholds. That's why. Unbelief. Strongholds lead to unbelief. Greater works than these you will do because I'm going to my Father. That's where we're supposed to be. John 14, 12, you want to verify that. That's where we're supposed to be. Strongholds hold us back. Hear the word? Strongholds hold us back. Yes, some of them are heaven and hell. I'm not going there this morning, believe it or not, unless it just pops into my head, then I'll say whatever I want. Quitting is a stronghold. Yeah, I'm looking at you in the eye. You need to confront them. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Listen, I remember, I'm just on offense and quitting right now. You know, if any pastor is, because he gets so tired of people being offended and quit. I mean, it's not because, listen, I'm not morally or personally offended when people leave this church. I'm not. Look at all the people that are here. How much, I'm more, I mean, what more do I want? Look at all the, there's, there's probably, there's 800 and how many chairs in here? 868 chairs in here, so there's probably 150 empty. So there's like 700 people in here. There's, there's, there's probably, there's, there's 900 plus people in this building. I mean, how, how offended, I mean, how much? How, how, what can I do but be thankful? So I don't, I don't sit there and, oh man, you know, they're leaving or whatever. Put a bad thing about me on Facebook. I, I don't care. Listen, I sleep like a baby every night. Seriously, I have struggles. I have strongholds. But I, but I sleep like a baby every night. So this is not, it's not personal. I'm just gonna give you this example. I used to make the mistake of playing church softball. You're like, Tom, will you let us start off, start a softball team in this church? I have. Francel's done it. I mean, listen, you want to do it? I'm not coming. <laughs> Ever. I trust Francel, Travis, people like, they'll control things. They're good. They know what to do. These are my armor bearers. I love these guys. They want to do it, and they're crazy enough to do it. My son does ultimate every Sunday outside. With, out there, it's like 20, 30 people show up all the time. Fine, go right ahead. I don't do it. And it's not, I know what some of you think it's because you're fat. I know, but that's not the reason why. <laughs> but I remember I used to, there was this softball tournament for the Church of God. Anybody ever been to the Church of God? Okay, that's basically where I got saved was the Church of God and the Assemblies of God, things like that. But this was a Church of God softball tournament that would be held at Greco Field in Tampa every year. So we'd go up there and we'd amass this team and we'd go up for this one-day tournament, double elimination tournament. 
In the middle of it, my pastor and I got into it. <laughs> verbally yelling at each other. I've never even thought about leaving. Listen, I know I always think that I'm right. And I think that I was right in this situation. I believe he was the jerk. As a matter of fact, he's the one who actually started being snotty. I never thought, well, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the church now. <laughs> Him being snotty has nothing to do with God calling me to that assembly. When God says go, then I'll go. His behavior has nothing to do with it. Sounds like you're trying to license your own poor behavior. I'm not, but you can think it if you want. But I never even thought, oh, I'm, I'm leaving, that's it. And it was by far worse than anything that most of you experienced in this church. You don't have me come up to you and, and demean you personally. Hey, what's going on, jerk face? <laughs> what's up, turd sucker? I don't do any of that. It never crossed my mind to leave. I'm like, this is life, this is a person. He's a person, she's a person, whatever, whoever it may be, they're people. Well, I, I hear Christian says, oh, well, I met that person, they're kind of a jerk. I'm like, what if they met you on your jerk day? Who died and made you Jesus? You were made a joint heir, not Jesus himself. You're welcome. Laziness is a stronghold, including spiritual laziness. Some of you got the work down because it's actually carnal. Do not overwork to be rich because of your understanding. Cease, Proverbs 23, 4. You've got the physical work down, but you never pray, you never fast, you never study the word, you never worship on your own. But you got the work down while your kids are going straight to hell. Because dad is not training them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Ephesians chapter six, verse four. Greener pastures is a stronghold. People get irritated with me on this. They don't really get irritated. They just joke with me about it, but. You've heard me say this so many, many, many times. I don't care if you move to Tennessee where all the people are nicer. <laughs> I'm like, you really believe that? Well, you know why they're nicer to you? Because you're the exotic stranger. Once they get to know you, the veil comes down and they become themselves, just like everybody else. There, there's no magical vortex. The moment you drive through Chattanooga, through northbound 75, oh. You're not gonna be happier there than you are here. You have, to be, you have to learn to be content in all situations. Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned to be content in all situations. Philippians chapter four, verse 11. Greener pastures is a stronghold. Most of you, you don't stick to anything, which brings me to the next stronghold. Nothing, nothing being long-term in your life is a stronghold. You don't stick to anything. What's amazing to me are Christians that bounce from ministry to ministry. I'll use this as an example. If you were to say, I said, I'm done, I'm done with Foundation Church. I'm going to, to, uh, to the River Church in Tampa. And you bounce from the River Church in Tampa 
to, I'm just using all my favorite preachers, to uh, Pittsburgh, Moon Township, Pittsburgh, PA, with Jonathan Shell's revival today. And then you're like sick of that and then you bounce to Jesse Duplantis in Louisiana, whatever it may be. Andrew Walmack in Colorado. Those are all the people I listen to right there. You bounce, you bounce from there to there. And you're temporal everywhere that is actually permanent. How long has Rodney Howard Brown been, pre- uh, how long has he been the pastor, not just preaching, been preaching in America since 89, but how long has he been the pastor of the River Church Tampa? 1997. He's permanent, and here you come with your impermanence. You come with your temporal mindset, bouncing from one permanent thing to another, wondering, man, I just couldn't connect there. It takes years to connect anywhere. How do, you, how do you connect here? Go see Travis right there. Go see, if you're a man, go see Travis. He'll tell you how to connect. You know, sound like, I'm not trying, listen, I'm not trying to recruit. I'm the world's worst churchy person. You know, come to this meeting and come to that meeting and come to the onboarding class. We don't have any of those things. I don't believe in any of it. But for a lot of people, you have nothing in your life that's long-term. As soon as the going gets tougher, you get bored, you quit. Well, that's because you, Tom, what you do is just, you know, everything you do is exciting. You're preaching in front of people. Uh, you're, doing, you're doing a podcast. Listen, folks, you need to understand something. When I started this church, I was night shift patrol supervisor, Sarasota County Sheriff's Office for the southern end of the county. That's what I did. As a matter of fact, I was north at that time. All night long, I, we were 10-hour shifts at the time, so I was 9 o'clock at night till 7 in the morning. And then did church at 10. You think it was all gl- oh, glory. Oh, once, once again, oh. Oh, I'd go home and sleep for 90 minutes. And get up and do church, and I had to be back at work that night. You think that I wasn't bored at times? Yeah, I'd have to grind it out. You have to grind it out. You think that every, when we started the church, there's 21 people there. And of course, with me preaching, the next week there was less. <laughs> In the cafeteriaatorium, and they go to elementary school. And then I, was just, I heard Heather laughing over there. Some of the very few people that were good that came to the church left. She left. She had to because Travis was deployed elsewhere. So she had to go. But it's not, listen, you, just because things are boring, that's the time where you grind. That, it's a doldrum, a windless sea, so you get out the oar. That's right, Until you cross that bridge, you are strong held. And you, the, God's just waiting to see what you'll do in the midst of it. You know, well, I don't understand. You, see, the problem is, it's not, there's two scenarios. I don't understand why doors never open for me. Or living in the, in the delusion that doors are always opening for you. Then they never are. There's never any fruit that doors are actually opening for you. But you believe they always are. It's delusion. Or you're one of those discontented Christians. You have the contented, delusional Christian. Oh, you know, just praise God. Doors are always, life is great. Doors are always, you never win the lost. You never heal anybody. You never bring anybody to church. You don't pay your tithe. You're not prospering. You don't give to the poor. You don't feed the needy. You do nothing. But in your eyes, everything's great. 
you know what? In some ways, I have to admit, I'm jealous of you. That you can live in such peaceful delusion. I can't. I wish that I could. I don't have the ability. For me, everything's out front and transparent. Crap or not crap? Crap! Not crap. A lot of people, they snuggle up in crap. They're fine. Believing the entire time, as I've used over the last two months, like a dung beetle, that the crap is actually a diamond. Or you're on the other end of it, where you're never content because doors are not opening for you, because you never sticked anything. You never sticked anything. You can't come to church every Sunday for a month. You're like, Tom, you're yelling at us. We're the ones that are here. There's people, that doesn't, if that doesn't apply to you, what do you do when something doesn't apply to you? Don't listen to it. You know why? Because it didn't apply to you. It's the nature of sermons. Some applies, some don't. It's called chewing on the meat and spitting out the bones. But for some of you, you know that this is you. This one is not mine. But, it, but I'll, I'll probably get to one or two that is mine. As right, a matter of fact, let me see. I'm next. I'm next. Get ready. See, you don't stick to anything long term. See, doors never open for you. You quit, you get tired, you move on, bounce from one thing to another. Greener pastures, long term. You struggle with doing anything long term. Wherever you go, guess who's coming with you? You. Galatians 6, 9. We're going to go 6, 9, 6, 8, 6, 7. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. You can't faint. Do you know how many times over 13 years of doing this church, no weekends for 13 years straight? None, look at me, none. I get off work on Friday, message prep Saturday, preach Sunday, did church stuff all day most of the time at that time on Sunday. Year after year after year. How do you do it? Everything you do is so exciting. You think it's exciting to put together a 90-minute podcast, which I keep doing for two hours instead of 90 minutes this week? <laughs> you can ask my wife. Is it exciting what I do? Is, it just, is, it just, you know, is there music playing? I'm in my office for hour upon hour upon hour and then upon another hour and then upon another hour. with headphones on, endlessly listening, endlessly writing, endlessly reading. And then I go out and do a podcast. And by the way, you don't always feel like doing them either. Especially if you're not a sunshine person, which I'm not. I am not always in a good mood. (laughs) Now you can know what I've learned to do is take those moods captive and make myself get in a good mood. But I'm not, listen. I want to say this. I like to say this about once a quarter. Most people in this room are not sunshine people who are just inherently happy. You know, you know a few, right? Don't you? You know a few. There's a few of them out there. Just always happy. 
well, I think that I'm that. You're not then. <laughs> You're not. And by the way, if you want to know whether you are or not, just look right. I see most of you sitting next to your spouse. Turn and ask them right now. Am I, am I a sunshine person? <laughs> ask them. I'm not, my wife is not, my daughter is not, and my son's not. And the sunshine person in the Lively House. You know, they're the ones that spring to life in the morning. They're out there just singing hymnal music in the kitchen. And sings my soul. Okay, it's not you. God bless them. I admire them. I wish I had what they have. I don't have it. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You cannot quit. You have to do things long-term. Well, daggum, I've been working for Travis now for three years at this church, parking cars, ushering people, doing security, catching people who fall out in the spirit. Keep doing it. You're like, well, it just happened overnight for you. It didn't happen overnight for me. I got saved when I was 18. I started youth pastoring at 36, 18 years later. Actually, I started this church at 36. Started this church at 36, youth pastoring at 34. 16 years later. 16 years. What did you do? Oh, well, let's see. I was in, I was in the choir. There's 60 people in a the choir. There. I'm up there singing in a the choir. Yeah, but there, nobody notices you. Yeah, that's what you do. You shouldn't care about people noticing you. Don't worry, we're gonna get to that stronghold in a minute that most of you struggle with. Which, by the way, I've struggled with. I've just gotten over it. Now I don't care. I mowed church grass. I was an usher for years. I was a youth worker. I went and visited nursing homes. Tell me about a depressing ministry. But I went. Every, every other Tuesday to the nursing home we went. Me and my young adult pastor, name is Norman Frechette from uh, Faith Assembly of God Orlando. At the time, he's, he's moved on since then, pastors at another church. But we'd go there. He was a musician. He'd pop out to do a couple songs. 90% <laughs> of the people were there but didn't know they were there and didn't know we were there. But there we were. We'd be there for two hours, two hours to just minister to the people, praying over people, everything. I remember one time I told Pastor Norman, I said, you know, I really prayed a really stupid prayer when I prayed for this lady. He goes, she, she didn't know anyway. <laughs> Good point. So you think that I just launch into a church of 900 to 1,000 people? This church for 16 years went from zero to 250 people. And then once we got to about 150, vacillated between 150 and 250 for 15 years. You know what I did? And now I quit 500 times, and my wife talked me out of it. So listen, transparent. One of my strongholds is quitting. I've learned to quit quitting It's like fasting, fasting. I'm fasting, I'm fasting, fasting. 
I'm going to be fasting, fasting today. <laughs> Drives my wife crazy. She's the, my wife is the biggest non-quitter on the planet. Her body, when her body finally gives way, it won't know it. <laughs> Hope will walk around the earth non-resurrected, dead, alive. As her body is so determined. So she's talked me out of quitting I'm, uh, hundreds of times, I would guess, somewhere in that over these last 20 years. As I drive out of the parking lot, that's it! <laughs> she's laughing. I'm done! I don't know how many resignation letters I've written. I always write them on my phone. <laughs> but you can't quit. Your reason for quitting may be boredom or doldrums or offense or whatever it was. And my reason for quitting was offense. So I preach about offense. I used to live in offense and bitterness as a pastor. What's great is I've been delivered. Now I just don't care. I'll tell you how I got over that if I get to that part of the message. We'll reap if we don't quit. Galatians 6, 8, going backwards. For he who sows to his flesh will have the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will have the spirit reap everlasting life. Sowing to your flesh is quitting. Greener pastures, offense, laziness. Having to have a girlfriend. Go without one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You'll be all right. Believe me, I'm an expert of how to live life without women. They weren't interested, so it made it very easy for me. <laughs> but so do the Spirit. Don't sow to your carnal nature. Man, I hope I get to more of this message because you got to hear it. Going backwards. Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever man sows. That shall he also reap. If you sow no long term, you will have no long term. If you are ever with me, I know I've used this example many times. But I'm just going to use it again. If you are ever, because it's a very simplistic example to use. Whenever you are with, if you are with me in a meeting, my phone is not out. I pay attention to you. Whenever I am at the river listening to Pastor Rodney preach or anybody preach, with Pastor Rodney, I'm always entertained and it's very easy for me to watch him preach or Jonathan or anybody else. But occasionally, at a men's conference, somebody will come up because Pastor Rodney is, you know, is basically a pastor, uh, has an apostolic ministry, although he'll never, he'll never call it that. He's a prophet, he'll never call it that. But so he has lots of people that are underneath the umbrella of his ministry. They come up and we're preaching. Listen, it's snoozer time. <laughs> Boring. Boring. But you know what I do? Eyes on. Because whatever I put into the ground is coming back for me. You notice how everybody in here is watching. With the people who are awake, actually. <laughs> There's one or two that are asleep right now. I know I got them. I see them. How you could, now listen, I'm not claiming to be an entertainer, but how you could sleep in the midst of this is beyond me. 
Last week, there was a woman in the back, right-hand corner. She was asleep, back like, like, like I'll sleep this afternoon because I get no sleep on, from Saturday night to Sunday. I went to bed at three o'clock in the morning, so fell asleep about 3.30. There's a lady in the back there. <laughs> she was cranked back, her mouth wide open. I almost sent, is Natalie in here? Natalie in here anywhere? She's not here today? Oh, she, oh, that's right. But, oh, Travis isn't here. So any of our medical staff here, I almost was like, hey, Travis, you go check that. I mean, I've seen a lot of dead bodies in my life as a law enforcement officer. I'm like, she looked dead. (laughs) Back there and put your finger on her pulse, see if there's something going on there. (laughs) All right, now you're ready. Here's, Here's another one for you. Here's another stronghold. OCD. Told you I'm next. What's called an obsessive compulsive disorder or a disease, depression, anxiety, panic attacks, obsessive compulsive disorder are not diseases. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. You're reaping what you've sown. I call OCD the nth degree problem. Everything has to be the nth degree. Can ever just do anything normal? Anthony, double check, triple check, quadruple check. It's not a disease, it's carnal. And or demonic. We're going deep on this one. This may be where we end today, I don't know. OCD, what they call obsessive compulsive disorder. Where does it come from? Romans chapter eight, verse five. You are at, if you struggle with OCD, and by the way, let me make this clear again. This is mine now. This is what I struggle with. That transparent enough for everybody? It's what I struggle with. It's what I have struggled with. And I hope to never struggle with it again. All of those things are real. Panic attacks is real. Depression is real, but understand they're carnal or demonic, or a combination therein. You're reaping what you've sown. You don't just catch depression. It's not a virus, it's a mindset. Trained via OCD. Romans 8, 5, this is how you, this is how you get obsessive compulsive disorder. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what that flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Holy Spirit, because Spirit is capitalized, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. If you are at work and you're double checking and triple checking, you're comp- I gotta clean this, I've gotta clean that, and uh, was that right? And every thought has to be hyperanalyzed. You're like, Tom, you sound like you know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Double check, triple check, I used to drive the deputies who worked for me insane at the sheriff's office. If I wasn't actually a nice person, I think I would have been shot. <laughs> Did you ask this? Did you ask that? Did you ask this? And then I'd ask them again if they asked this. Then I'd ask them again. Compelled. Obsessively compelled. Com- compulsed. Is that you? Is that you? 
For some, guess what? If it's not you, you say no. But obsessive compulsive disorder, nth degree, garbage. I've got to be this then. I've got to be whatever it may be. Checking, rechecking, obsessed with things. Your heart rate's exploding because out of nothing, nothing's even going on. There's nothing you can be concerned about. You are so compulsed. And I know that's not a word, but it's a great word to use. Because compelled doesn't work the way that I want it to. You are compulsed to do things. Which leads to another stronghold. See how quiet it gets in here? Which is panic attacks or anxiety attacks. You are not designed to be compulsive. I know that it's, it's considered to be an attribute in our society to overwork, to be compulsive. Some Christians call it excellence. There's excellence and then there's carnal compulsion. You've already cleaned it. Don't need to clean it again. Oh, I, I cleaned it, but you know, we can always put another layer of alcohol on it. It's already clean. You've already checked your travel plans. You've already set your alarm clock. You've already checked the door locks. Don't go check them again. Don't say it again. You've already said it. Well, my, my child's about to walk out the door. and You know, I need to tell him that I love him because it's the last time. No, it could be the last time. You know what they say. It could be the last time. That's not a, that's not a Bible verse. It's not true. You have a hedge of protection around your kids, you're gonna see them again. The only time, listen, the only thing you need to worry about as far as early death, unless you're not implementing this, whatever you bind is bound, whatever you lose is loose. But if you choose not to implement it, that's on you. But here's the thing, if you have implemented Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, you don't need to be, you know what, I just wanna tell you that I love you because I'm compelled to do so. Well, that's really loving. You're doing it purely out of being carnal. You have to say it. You have to get the last word in. Whatever it may be, I can't verbalize obsessive compulsive disorder. You have to know it. And those of you in this room, you know it. Because now a lot of you are living with panic attacks. Where suddenly, it's like you're standing on the edge of a cliff and you're just standing in your driveway. And that's how your body reacts. A lot of you have gone to the hospital. You're like, I'm having, a, I'm having a daggum heart attack. No, it's just a panic attack. Because of being obsessive compulsive. You're not designed for that. Eventually your mind says, enough! Here's a panic attack for you to get you to stop. God has perfectly designed this body. That's why you don't need vaccines. God has perfectly designed this body. You take a perfectly designed body put on planet earth, and you mix it with the Holy Ghost, you are impervious to everything but martyrdom. Everything, nothing shall draw near your dwelling. Nothing. But through being OCD, you've unleashed panic attacks in your life. I wanna tell you this. You are not designed Hypocrite alert, what I'm about to preach to you is right out of hypocrisy. That's not a book in the Bible for those of you who never read your Bible. 
I'll see that somewhere. Tom was talking about something out of the book of hypocrisy today. Because most Christians never read their Bible. Most Christians never let the Bible get in the way of what they believe. But I'm a hypocrite when I'm about to preach. I got to crawl out of it. Strong held. Scrolling screens, your mind is not designed for a scrolling screen. That's why a lot of people are full of anxiety. Back in the day, if 12 people got blown up in Mumbai, you'd never hear about it. You know why? And you know what? That's good. What are you gonna do? Nothing you can do about it if an earthquake swallows up people in India. Nothing you can do about it. There's no point knowing it. But now we know everything. I told you, hypocrite, I know. To some degree, I have to, I have to know the news to do the broadcast, but it's way beyond that. My wife will tell you. I always tell you, go to her and she'll ask you. Well, I'm, I'm telling you right now what she'll tell you. Spend way too much time because I'm compelled by it. I like it. But you know what? You're not, your mind is not designed for endlessly scrolling good news, bad news, or what somebody's eating for lunch. Oh, wow, look, Jim's having a fried shrimp today. Hey. You're not meant to know all those things. Well, yeah, you're, not, you're, meant, you're not meant to have a screen on constantly. Well, then I'll be bored. But be bored. That's what your mind, you're supposed to have downtime. I have made it a point now in the midst of my hypocrisy. I, I walk, I ride by, if I didn't, I'm very physically active person. You notice I move around a lot. I, not good. I'm either on or off. And I go on, I'm walking, I'm biking, I'm, I'm elliptical, weightlifting. I do all those things because I can't sleep without it. I do all those things. But I made a point that whenever I'm walking now, I listen to nothing. Just walk in silence. And I drift in and out of prayer. I pray all the time, but I drift in and out of prayer. I have a set prayer life every day, but I, in that time, I, even that, I just drift in and I pray that the Holy Ghost talk to me, and I just sit in silence. I walk in silence. I look up at the stars, and peace comes upon me. You're like, everybody talks like this. I'm 54. Everybody talks like this. Back in my day. Well, why is it that the suicide rate has gone through the roof? Wouldn't it have gotten better, like lockdown, suicide? We already had a suicide rate going through the roof before lockdowns, and then lockdowns sent them up into the galactic atmosphere. If, if endlessly being entertained makes you happy, then why wasn't everybody happy when they got locked down? I mean, Netflix accounts, uh, uh, subscriptions went through the roof. People were watching that lion thing or whatever. During that, remember that, March of 2020? I'm glad to be home. I get to catch up on binge watching. Why wasn't everybody happy? Because you're not designed for it. Turn it off. Go out and look at birds. You don't need to be endlessly stimulated. It's not what that's, you're not designed for it. And when I was a kid, there was no people on prescription medications. None. At my school, there was, I, remember, I remember being in the SRO at Venice High School, and I go into the clinic, there was a line through the, through the door, through the office of kids waiting for their meds. Their Xanax, their ADHD garbage, which none of them needed to take. I told you, I, I solved all those problems all the time. People, oh, this kid will never sit still. He'll never do what you tell him to do. He's got, op he's oppositionally defiant disorder. Well, I walk in there and say, put your hands behind your back. 
He wasn't oppositionally, oppositionally defiant then. Look, I'm a miracle worker. <laughs> Greater works than these, I, I will do. Lo and behold, he's oppositionally defiant to everybody who doesn't have handcuffs. But it, everybody stares at screens endlessly. Endlessly. I stare at one screen while I'm staring at another. I come in and turn on the TV. I have King of Queens on while I'm on Twitter uploading for the podcast. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. That's why I'm telling you, Matthew 7, 5, Jesus speaking. Jesus speaking. I'm telling you transparently, I have not arrived on this. But back to OCD, if you're obsessively compulsed, it's going to lead you to panic attacks at some point. Now get ready. This is going to be offensive for some of you. But just so you know, it applies to me. Does that make you feel better? All right. My wife didn't usher in OCD into my house. I did. Now let's look at this. How many of you have a kid who's struggling with panic attacks? See how quiet it is in here? I, my kids don't struggle with panic attacks. I'm just telling you, I've had many, many panic attacks because of my own stupidity. I'm not diseased. I know what I did. I used to sit in the police car and read police reports that would take an average cop four minutes to read. I'd read it for three hours. Is it right? I really don't want to, I want to make sure that I want to make sure that I'm not, you know, messing up somebody's life here. I'm going to check it, double check it, triple check it. Call back again, call back again. My fingers erupted when I was in law enforcement. I went to the doctor. I'm like, what's going on with my fingers? They're, they're all blistered up, full of, full of liquid. And I, saw, I thought I caught empantigo. That's what it looked like, empantigo. He goes, it's not empantigo. He goes, how stressed are you? Because that's a stress disorder. My fingers were erupting. I know from whence I talk. So you can choose to be offended if you want. But my wife didn't usher in that demonic force into our house. I did. As the pastor of Foundation Church. Who's living a holy life. I'm not going to hell for OCD. Not going to hell for panic attacks. You just live on hell on earth instead of an abundant life. I know what I'm talking about. If those of you have a child who's having panic attacks, which parent brought it in? Come on. Which parent brought it in? You're like, this doesn't apply to me. Good. Maybe you don't have kids yet. Don't bring it into their life. Maybe you have a kid who's OCD. Which parent brought it in? I dealt with, I prayed over a kid not too long ago, several months ago. I believe it was right around maybe when Jonathan was here or a little after. And the kid had all these things going through his mind. I'm like, I asked the parents, which one of you brought it in? Which one was it? And the mom was one of these hyper clean people. And they said, oh. Just clean one. I told my wife this. Clean once a day and let it go. She'd be around, I just can't take it, I can't take it. You know, you're like, Tom, you sound like she's the OCD one. Well, the cleaning, you gotta watch her. When we had kids, because she likes a very clean home, and they're leaving their stuff all over the place. She'd be all every day, nonstop movement. 
Let's just let it lay out there, and at the end of the night, we'll just go and clean it up. Let it lay out there, all the trains and all the stuffed animals and blocks and everything else. Just get a giant bin. I just would basketball, you know. <laughs> but which person brought it into the home? See how quiet it is in here? But can you feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost? You're like, well, this doesn't look good. You, it doesn't apply to you. You can minister this to others because our society is overwhelmed with panic attacks and anxiety. Overwhelmed with it. Hospitals get filled with it. Not COVID. They get filled with that. People go, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. No, it's a panic attack. Who brought it into the home, though? Who did it? Listen to this. Matthew chapter 12, 43 and 45. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, the demonic spirit, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds an empty swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. So if you brought the demon into the house and even you cast it out yourself, who did it land on? You're like, Tom, it sounds like you, you may live with guilt. No, I don't live with guilt. There's nothing I can do. Brethren, I count myself to have apprehended this, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. So I do what I'm commanded. People see me command the Holy Ghost. I command God because God has commanded me to command him. So when God tells me to let go of the past, I let it go. And I've told you this a bunch of times. Basically, every problem in our house, 90%, 10% on hope, 90% is on me, has been caused by me. This is on me, and when I brought demons in, they land on somebody else. Now, what are you gonna do, parent? What are you gonna do? For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of these strongholds. What are you gonna do? Now I'm gonna tell you this. Everybody can yell and scream like I'm doing right now, but it's the little things that count. Matthew 25, 21, the little things that count. Those of you who are captured in strongholds, whatever they may be. We've got 11 minutes to go. Everybody good? Whatever they may be, you're going to have to do what's called the little things that are actually not little things to get it away. Prayer, fasting, Bible study, speaking to the problem. You feel an anxiety attack coming on? Talk to it. It's either carnality, the devil, or a combination therein Talk to it. Say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Say to the mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be cast into the sea. If you don't do it, God's not doing it. That's the covenant. Chick-fil-A doesn't just show up at your house. You gotta go there. It's not gonna just show up. That's the covenant. You have a part to play. If you are strong held in any way, shape, or form, you're gonna have to talk to it. Pray over it, 
Cast it out. What takes down a stronghold? Violence. Spiritual violence. Well, you know, come what may. It's not a Bible verse. Well, you know, whatever God's will is, you know, after all, that is Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13, God's will. That's not what it says. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is. Well, then install heaven. God's not going to do it. There is no unfolding will of God without you. If you don't ask, you don't receive. It's not I didn't ask and then God's will just unfolds. No, you're not having God's will. You're not possessing God's will unless you do your part and ask and pray and dispel unbelief. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18 is this, what I just read to you, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 and 4. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Weapons of our warfare, armor of God, loins girded, feet shod, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against his mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. If you want a stronghold to come, come down, you've got to do this. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, casting down imaginations. Let God be true and every man a liar. Well, I'm sick in my body. That's a lie. You're not. He took up your infirmities and he carried your diseases. You're actually not sick. I'm not talking about being in denial here. Well, you, you've already, if you're at the doctor, please don't tell the doctor you're not sick. You go to, you schedule an appointment at the doctor, you go in there, and he, and he tells you, well, you know, you, yeah, you have this sick. Oh, no, I'm not sick. Well, you look like an idiot. What I'm saying to you is the gospel is more real than your sickness. All you need to do is implement belief and dispel unbelief, and the sickness cannot stand in the presence of the Holy Ghost. Can't. It can't. Nothing can. But you have to cast down. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into, capt- bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You want out of panic attacks? You're going to have to do that. You want out of quitting, offense, whatever your stronghold is, lust, Lying, addiction. You know that most people, their stronghold is their comfort. What brings you comfort is actually your stronghold, which goes back to scrolling screens and entertainment. That brings, it puts my heart, it's actually your stronghold. Listen, for an alcoholic, what's their comfort? Alcohol. Their comfort is their stronghold. You have to cast it out. Listen to the violence here. 
Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having it a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Listen to the violence. Casting down, taking things into captivity. It's violent. It's violent. Jesus says if, you're, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's violent. Please don't go pluck your eyes out. That's what you call symbolism. Please get that. Uh, you always have to worry about these. You always have to worry about these things these days. Just want to thank Pastor Tom. My eyes were calling me to sin, so I plucked those bad boys out last night and give Tom all the glory. No, Tom doesn't want the glory. I'm good without that glory. Thank you. Finish with this one, 12.05, done at 12.10. Doing what feels right is a stronghold. Yeah, we got five minutes left. Get ready, this is probably yours. Well, if it feels right, I do it. If it feels wrong, I don't. Both of them are strongholds. You're telling me, Tom, that doing things, not doing something because it feels wrong is a stronghold? If it feels wrong because it's a conviction of the Holy Ghost, then don't do it. If it feels right because it's a conviction of the Holy Ghost, then do it. But otherwise, strongholds. And God expects you to know the difference. For whom much is given, much is demanded, Luke 12, 48, right? He, God demands that you know the difference between Holy Ghost and your own carnal mind, what I call gas. The feelings that you feel are nothing more than burps and gas. Nothing. They mean nothing. I know that's what Taylor Swift is predicated on, whatever she's feeling that day. So really, all her songs are about is, is farts. Just gas, she feels this way, she feels that way. I just saw it the other day. People are at her concert, and she's, and there's, there's, I mean, I don't know, tens and tens and tens of thousands of people there outside. I mean, there had to be 50,000 people there. And they're all sitting there mesmerized because she's saying, big announcement. Her big announcement is she's about to take more money out of their digital wallet because she's putting out another album. People are bursting into tears. That feels right to them. So do you follow it? What about when it feels wrong? I'm gonna cover these and then we're gonna go. There's a way that seems right to, here's feels right first. How many of you do what feels right? Let me see a show of hands. No, don't do it. <laughs> feels right, so I do it. I feel like I need to move. I feel like I need to quit. I feel like I need to move to another church. I feel like there's a new season in my life. I love, Christ, I love when Christians who are very unspiritual decide to talk spiritual. It's just like when nobody ever talks, nobody ever speaks Spanish until they go to Taco Bell. <laughs> Seriously, nobody ever speaks Spanish. You don't roll your R's, nothing. If you were to get some sort of frozen burrito, that's what you call it. Hey, I bought myself some frozen burritos. But when you go to Taco Bell, you're going through the drive-thru. Yes, I will have cuatro burritos, please. <laughs> you... Yeah. 
There's a way that seems right to a man. It seems right, doesn't mean you do it. Yeah, I make fun of Tennessee all the time, but listen, I've tried to buy houses in Tennessee because I wanna go up there when it's cold. Not for some sort of salvation, because the people are nicer. These nice little towns, you know, I'm gonna go up there. Yeah, you're gonna go up there and ruin the nice little town. You're the only one corrupt one there. It seems right though. Quitting seems right. I'm tired. You know, I'm just burned out right now. I'm just I'm too, too busy, so you quit. Listen, you will never get sympathy from me from that. I just told you, 9 o'clock at night till 7 in the morning, preaching at 10. And you're tired? For two straight years, I never had a day off. I worked six days a week. And there was times on Sundays, Hope will testify to it, I got done preaching at Foundation Church because we had no money. That was during the six to, 2006 to 2009 recession. There was times I got off of work. I got off of, uh, it was work, I guess. But I got done preaching. Went home, put on my police, police uniform, and went and worked in detail. That day, in the blazing hot sun, directing traffic. Weird life. Preaching in the morning, directing traffic at night. It wasn't even at night. I had to rush out of there so I could get to it at one o'clock in the afternoon. Fruitville Groves in Sarasota. Directing traffic. Don't tell me about how tired you are because you have to show up at this meeting, that meeting, this practice, or that practice. Just, you are a quitter. Cast it out in Jesus' name. Or you're going nowhere. And you're already 50, you're already 30, you're already 40. How many more years do you think you got? You got 120, but most of you don't believe for that. That's just radical. No, it's not radical, it's the Bible. Bible's not radical to me. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Does it mean physical death? It can, because the alcoholic, to them it seems right to drink more alcohol. To the sex addict, have more sex. To the relationship addict, have more relationships. Even with other people's spouses, and you can die that way. But most of the time, it just means killing off facets of your life. There's a way that seems right. If I just can, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do another, I just need a fresh start. No, you don't. You need to grind where you are at. And God will give you the fresh start. The only problem is, in the midst of that grinding, you don't pray, you don't study, you don't put any, you don't infuse any life into your day-to-day life. So it's lifeless. Many of you, I'm not gonna get to the last part of this. I'll close right here. Worship team, migrate. Legal migration, this way. You need to grind where you're at. You're going nowhere. Notice you end up right back where you were. Nobody ever notices. They just continue to lie to themselves. Yeah, things are really changing. They're not changing. You're moving laterally, not vertically. You're moving to a different situation with the exact same characteristics over and over and over again. I lived that way for 51 years. 
The only difference between maybe me and you is I knew I was wasting my life. Last one. Doing what feels wrong. Not doing, correction. Not doing. Not doing what feels wrong is a stronghold. Unless it's the Holy Ghost telling you not to do it. Because of this, because of that, that pesky verse, Joshua 24, 15. And all, people only quote the last half of it. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, it seems evil for listen, it seemed evil for people to not wear a mask, to not lock down, to not care about the climate, to not be compassionate. Take the vaccine because it stops transmission of infection, even though it doesn't. I don't want to appear to be somebody who lacks compassion. Just because it feels wrong doesn't mean you don't do it. I know that's very contradictory to what's usually preached. But the problem is, for many Christians, the gospel feels wrong. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. A person's going to hell, you need to tell them. Not go to a church that avoids the subject like it's a bubonic plague. It's, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land they dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen.